this universe, we look at a lot of things like failure is not such a bad thing. If you're not failing, you maybe you're not trying hard enough. Welcome to Ending Pending. I'm your host, Andy. I have been thinking a lot for several days about whether the choice to play Heart-Shaped Box by Nirvana as an instrumental song over the first scene where Ake was out in the real world in Westworld was too on the Mm. nose or like really good, actually. And I'm Evan. I'm a nine-year-old in a leisure suit, and I'm Ronnie. What the <laughs> f? <laughs> if you couldn't tell by those introductions, Ending Pending is a podcast where we discuss Westworld, where we discuss television shows which have only lasted for a single season. We are currently covering HBO's Westworld. No, no. no, NBC's. There you go. Oh, was I right? Yeah. NBC's I mean, I don't think anyone's watched. I don't. The majority of people who watch it definitely have not watched it on NBC. Who, Hulu's but. Freaks and Geeks. Yeah. <laughs> Hulu's Freaks and Geeks. We watched episodes uh, 10, 11, 12. That's right. But before we get into that, we have a guest. We have a guest. We have a guest. Uh, you know her from the podcast Fucking Fine. I'll see you soon. We have Cece with us. <laughs> oh, I picked a terrible time to have some yeah. here. Yo. Yo. I'm so psyched to be here. Hello, Cece. Hi. Didn't Westworld have more than one season? It just did. Saying. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, we're not covering Westworld. I've just been watching Westworld a lot, and I've been thinking about it. I've been thinking. I've been thinking deeply about it a lot. I think I watched the first two seasons, and I, I don't like it. I think that's what I think. It's not working. End of podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And that's it. Thank you for coming to my podcast. No, no. Just kidding. I hate it when the guest comes and immediately steals the podcast. I just steal the show. We've done that. (laughs) Thank you for having me. It's so nice to meet everybody. I mean, I've I've known Ronnie forever, but, you know, that's not important. Our bit is I want everyone to tell a story about Ronnie that defines your relationship with him. Oh no. <laughs> That's so, so we're gonna we're gonna DTR it uh with Ronnie. Mm. That's the name of the bit. Mm. How do I play? Uh this I just, is, is the deepest He's, relationship. I just I just watch in in mild <laughs> in to moderate horror. to extreme embarrassment, depending uh, on the situation. No, we can toss this bit in the garbage can if you want, Ronnie. You have full video no, power. No, it's fine. It's fine. Have, it's not have, often that we have this opportunity. I don't have for any just... embarrassing stories about you, Ronnie. I've only known you in the most delightful possible. Context. Yeah, I. I, 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 I'll say this. I'm not concerned about my good friends, Annie and Evan. <laughs> <laughs> Annie and Evan didn't go to high school with me. It's, it's the lady with the cussing podcast that I right. was worried about. Oh. That's slightly. Oh, you called me a lady. I'm honored. <laughs> Little do you know, I have big dad energy. Um, all right. Well, I'll go last. Mine's the best for last. So you'll oh, go first. No. Uh, I can go first. Or Evan, do you want to go first? I guess the the 
like most defining memory I have of Ronnie is going to get cheesesteaks that one time. That was a good time. That yeah. was a good time. Yeah, we, uh, well, that was the same trip we were up there for uh, that funeral. Yeah, yeah, which was rough. That was uh, terrible. Difficult. Yeah, that was terrible and unpleasant. But we stayed with Ronnie. Uh, Ronnie was a, a wonderful, warm, inviting host and cooked food for us. And uh, we went to go get cheesesteaks together, and the cheesesteaks were real good. And I met Ronnie's baby, and we slept in his attic. <laughs> Where did you get cheesesteaks? We went to Steve's. Steve's, Steve's is good, though. Steaks. Yeah, Steve's is my favorite. We didn't I have time was... to go all the way to the city, and honestly, Steve's is... Well, yeah. I was hoping you wouldn't say Pat's or Gino's, because yeah. that's not real. Yeah. Steve's is better than Pat's and Gino's, yeah. and that's the suburb, so... I, I, I've taken many a tourist to Pat's and Gino's, because they really wanted to, but it always hurt a little bit inside. Um, but but Steve's is my favorite, like, okay, I'm going to take you to, like, an actual cheesesteak place. More authentic, for sure. Mm-hmm. And we all just all sat across the, be- the, uh, the, the, the bar that they had at Steve's with all mm-hmm. the very burly uh, Langhorn... Uh, lumberjacks? No, not lumberjacks. <laughs> uh, just, you they, know They the were type. like contractors, you know. Con- exactly. exactly. Yeah. Lots of people who would wear, uh, you know, flyers hats, unironically, um, who don't even really care about Gritty that much. Um, those kind of uh, folks. Yeah, the real sports fans. The real sports fans. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah. We, we kept to ourselves pretty well. That's a great story, Evan. Thank you for sharing. I'm going to start, like, just, uh, A, just gather all these good, good stories for myself to hold on to uh, in a minute. Well, wait for mine. So. I know. I, well, that's why I'm holding them very tightly. Um, and also to remind the listeners, you like me. You like you you like me, and this is a good time. Uh, Andy, Andy, continue to pad my ego so that it can uh, only shatter slightly. Uh, so I have I have two stories with Ronnie, and they don't directly involve Ronnie, but they do sum up my relationship with Ronnie very well. Uh, the first is every single friend in my real life who has ever told me that they listen to Ending Pending goes. Oh, hey, I don't know if I ever told you, but I started listening to Ending Pending. Ronnie's my favorite. Wow. It, which, it which, like, boggles one, the mind. One, we're real human beings. We don't <laughs> need to have a favorite. We're, we're real fucking people. It, it's, it's a little weird to be like, well, fuck that one, but those other two are great <laughs> people. Or, or something like that. One, like, that's weird. Two, you know me. I'm your friend. Like, Mm-hmm. I helped you mm-hmm. move. You're coming up to me and being like, oh, you're co-host, though. That's called it's a parasocial a- relationship. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I feel like so- I shouldn't encourage that, but also, thank you. Thank you, you all, all the favorites out there. It's Thank you as long as you're only specifically saying that I'm the best and the good one. Thank you. Well... No, but yeah, yes. because if they were like, you know what, I really hate that douchebag Ronnie. That's fair. If you if <laughs> you hate like, me, then them. no, thank you. If you're like, oh, I like Andy, but like Evan and Ronnie are fine too. Thank you. That's I'll, I'll take fine. Um, if you if you are like, I'll, I'll I'll just bring it all high school. If you are like anyone 
in uh, between the hours of seven and seven ten at Truman High School in around 2009 and heard me on the morning announcements who I heard from every person in every home and that was like, yo, I fucking hate that Ron Palmieri kid. Um, then no, I don't, I don't appreciate that. That's not the kind of feedback that is going to help me improve. Um, but if you like me even a little bit, I do, I do appreciate that. Thank you. And any, what's that, what's that second story? The, the second one is, uh, it needs some context. Um, mm. Ronnie and, uh, Ronnie's wife. Am I allowed to say your wife's name on the podcast? Yeah, sure. Ronnie and Kirsten were uh, incredibly uh, helpful and like encouraging and uh, I would say vital to my like coming out process, uh, which was a shit show. And um, uh, many a time when I have gone home to uh, try to uh, deal with or negotiate the uh difficult uh relationship dynamics that is now my family uh there is a certain family member who uh every time without fail will go oh do you still keep in touch with that ronnie fellow and i go yeah ronnie's great i love him very much and uh said family member goes oh well okay then uh, and is very curt and, uh, that well, okay, then is, uh, the, the deepest, uh, <laughs> fuck you, uh, to <laughs> that I have ever heard without using the F word. Sure. What are they trying? What, what information are they trying to extract with this? Are they assuming that, that Ronnie is a good Christian boy who wouldn't continue to no. associate with you? They or assumed they- that from Jump Street, and then I was uh, okay with the gays, I think, was the problem. Um, and that was the end of that. Mm. Um, I think uh, multiple times, like, when I'd uh, go up to Philly, I'd, I'd stay with Ronnie because Ronnie is a lovely person who uh, lives out uh, whatever spirituality or faith he, he is now uh at in his life but he lives that out and would be like oh yeah you can stay with me it's fine uh and uh certain family members were uh i i guess not okay with that sort of hospitality being shown to me uh with the probably hope that i would go stay with uh that which wasn't ever going to happen right but right. you know is this is this family religious just curious. Oh, just a just a scooch. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole that's the whole thing, CC. Yeah. That's the whole. Oh thing. yeah, sorry mm. to bring up family trauma on you, CC. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, that, that, I that, I I get it. I come from a very religious background. Kirsten and I, and I grew up in the church together, so oh, I fully totally understand. Yeah, you know what the my deal is. Grandmother is very yeah, and my brother, my little brother. I'm gay, like on the spectrum of gay. Um, my little brother is super duper gay and my grandmom is very in denial about it. Mm. At least we've come to the point of acceptance, but so I totally understand. Like I get yeah, the yeah, yeah, snide yeah. comments and mm-hmm. the, well, maybe you'll find a man one day. And I'm like, well, yeah, sure. Whatever. Yeah. Maybe. 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 And then you'll find like, his body in my yard. There's a, <laughs> that's more likely. <laughs> <laughs> so I get it. I can empathize. I just I'm so interested in the religious aspect of things versus the societal aspect of things. So I didn't know if it was a I, 
I, I don't know what's uh what's the topic of your podcast, but bring me on sometime. We'll talk. Absolutely. Um. Well, that's everybody. <laughs> He's probably muting me. Right I, now. I made you sound real good, Ronnie. I made you up. Did. For you. you did. You yeah. did. All right. Remember that. Our <laughs> listeners love you, and my family hates you. You're doing There's... great. Go well, ahead. do you want the do you want the good news or bad news first? Good oh. news first, bad news second, right? Uh, y- y- yeah. <laughs> okay. My first memory, or my best memory of hanging out with you was going to say anything with Joey uh, down on South Street. I just had a lot of fun. That was so much fucking fun. Even driving there, like, we were jamming in the car, and, like, it was a great time. It was a good time. It Hung was a out, very good time. waiting in line for forever. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. Very Philly time. That's That was the Theater of the Living Arts on South Street. Yes. And the TLA is such a great venue. Mm-hmm. Shout out to the TLA. Um, shout out to Say Anything for always putting on a good show. That was like the second time, I think, of like four times I've got to see them over my whole life. So, best memory. Um, most poignant memory was, <laughs> all right, you ready for this? Evan and Andy. I'm ready. So ready. So, ready. <laughs> so pumped. Ronnie was my first kiss. <laughs> wow. Oh, boy. I was in 10th grade. He was in 11th grade. He was an older boy. Look at that. Like, and I'll say oh. this to Kirsten because I love her to death. But uh, we were outside playing football after, after school. Like, Sundown at school. That's so butch, Sitting on Ronnie. the corner. I was, I was, I was the the gayest butch. Through, the gayest <laughs> butch, butch is the kid. best description. Through an arm, and I love sensitive people, so like, threw his arm around me, and it wasn't a real kiss. It was a little peck, and that was uh, it. Yeah, that was the only. I think that was the only kiss I ever had with you. Yeah. But it was my yeah. first kiss in 10th grade. I was like 15, 16. Jesus Christ. I was a junior for my first kiss. I was waiting for someone special. Uh, I kissed. And it wasn't Ronnie? It wasn't. <laughs> I have never kissed Ronnie, and it's a little bit of a crime, but I got there too late. Kirsten had already put a ring on it by the time I shot That's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. That, Heartbreaker. That is a, a very kind story that you could have shared. Thank you. Thank you. Mary. What was your worst? I just, just, I just I, we have a history. See, like, I don't know. <laughs> All I remember are like the fun times. That's, that's I don't... excellent. I'm very, I'm very glad. Um, uh, yeah, there's so many times. I, I, I. So I don't remember because well, I must have been traumatized and blocked them all so out. I will, I, I will continue. This is, this is just going to be. Uh, Ronnie and Cece hash out their their high school days. Um, so I was the um, tech director for Truman's drama program uh, a couple years ago. That's the high school that we went to. And uh, I had the opportunity to work with uh, Cece's youngest brother. And um, I saw one day that he was wearing a yellow Truman. Oh, I thought of that one too. But <laughs> I didn't. So I associate that more with sure somebody else, sure. not you. Um, <laughs> it was. It, it, long story short, we were talking. You know the way that high schoolers talk. And a friend of mine was wearing 
uh, a CC sweatshirt that that she had left in in somebody's vehicle, and someone kind of like was razzing me like, "Oh, look, it had it, it had her name on the back," and I was like, "Oh yeah, that's not really a thing. Like we're not we're not talking anymore, we, you know." And everything kind of got off. And the person who was wearing it was like, "What?" And ripped both of the sleeves off. Only of one. The switch. Only one sleeve. And that's off what of made it worse. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I was like, "What have you done? Like this can't make anything better for anybody." Because I bought that sweatshirt. You did. It was my soccer sweatshirt. I bought it. Every paid it was... for it with my own money from Chick Fil A. My hard earned Chick Fil A cash. So that's that. Oh. That is that is one of the milder. Uh, stories that you could have told, but um, I sh- I shared it anyway. That was a rough one. I'm rough. still mildly tra- traumatized. Yeah, I, everybody it, is forgiven. It's a it's great call. It's a great <laughs> call. Your your brother is tall. It had a little midriff going I'm on. I'm glad it worked for off. him. It, Number it sixteen, baby. Um, so that yeah, that's. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you still like the audience. That worked out just fine. Evan, yeah. What's, yeah. Evan, Evan, what's this show about? Before we could keep talking about you, though, Ronnie. No. Yeah, this used to be the Ronnie podcast. Before now. before I leave this house, I just want you to know I'm ripping up a sweatshirt. Oh no! <laughs> you must pick that's, a sacrificial sweatshirt. That's only fair. That's you can take fair. the sleeves and attach them to your old one. <laughs> Make a Franken sweatshirt. Oh, you already know. Oh, Evan, what's this? What's this show? What what show did we oh, watch? Oh, yeah, he's okay. We, watching watching Freaks and Geeks. We watched 10, 11, 12. The naming convention out the window. Only eleven has the naming convention. We just we're all over the place with this now. Uh, so one of Sam in episode ten. Episode ten is called the Diary. Uh, one of Sam's, uh, weird little geeky friends, uh, is upset that they never get picked to, uh, play baseball. Well, they don't, they don't get picked early on in the schoolyard pick rotation to play baseball, uh, in gym class. Because apparently you play baseball in gym class. Some high schools have a baseball field, apparently. I don't know. But, um, he, for some reason, is convinced that, uh, if he gets picked for baseball he will be good at it so he starts prank calling the gym teacher and at first he pretends to be some other kid's dad and is like put this other nerdy kid in to play uh, some baseball position or or else or i'll call your boss and like the coach does not buy it but he's like yeah sure okay whatever and um so he he does it but it doesn't like end up well so the uh the next day he calls and says some really like weird and also mean and rude things <laughs> to the coach. And so the coach has uh, everybody from the gym class like read out the script of the phone call to him so he can identify the voice of the person who did it. And um, in a, a true good guy gym teacher moment, uh, when he realizes that this nerdy kid did it, uh, the nerdy kid's like, okay, but I just want to play baseball. And the coach is like, I'm not in charge of who gets picked in baseball. And he's like, yes, you are. You have all the power in this situation. You're the gym teacher. And the guy's like, okay, you know what? You have a point. And so he lets the nerdy kids pick first for baseball. And um, they do a really shitty job, but they <laughs> genuinely have a good time. They're terrible at baseball, but they really have a great time doing a shitty job at baseball. So that's nice. 
Um, Lindsay, meanwhile, um, her parents have Kim's mom over because they like want to try to suss out what the deal is with Lindsay's new weird friends. And uh, Kim's mom is like a real bad mom, as we as we have established in previous episodes. So Kim's mom is like, yeah, my daughter, Kim, is dumb as a box of rocks and also a slut. And um, she does drugs. And I know because I read her diary and uh, Lindsay's parents get the idea to read her diary and they don't find anything particularly enlightening. They just get their feelings hurt because she says that they're square and lame and um, they are square and lame. And the mom takes it really personally and the dad does not do any self-reflection at all about it. Uh, also, they, like, forbid her from hanging out with the the, the burnouts anymore. Uh, episode 11, Looks and Books. This is the one that has the, the thing. Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> Lindsay, uh, the, the burnouts convince Lindsay to steal her family car to drive to a show of some kind. Somebody's playing music. I don't know. They convince her to steal the car temporarily. She gets in an accident in the few minutes that she has it, obviously. Uh, she's uh, in huge, huge trouble. Uh, she understandably blames the the, the burnouts for uh, getting her in this huge trouble. So she like rejoins the mathletes and kind of goes back to her old nerd life. And uh, at first, the, the burnouts are like, angry at her and think she's being like dramatic about it but uh then they kind of like learn to accept her her interests and passions and they go to support her at the math the, the mathathon the, what is an event called when you're a mathlete math olympics mathletics mathletics <laughs> i don't know anyway she does math competitively and they go to her competitive mathing and they like cheer for her and stuff. Uh, which is uh, genuinely kind of sweet. She's still mad at them about it, but, you know, they, they uh, kind of realize that she's uh, going places and accomplishing things in life, and they start thinking, like, oh, maybe we should, I don't know, do something. Maybe we should just not be shitty all the time. Uh, and then Sam... Uh, is trying to impress that one cheerleader he still has a crush on who just randomly turns up sometimes in episodes as the plot dictates. Uh, so he goes to this, like, disco-themed clothing store. And it's buys... the same clothing store they went to earlier in the series the, to get yeah, the, fake the fake IDs. IDs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no Jason Schwartzman this time. Yeah. Just, uh, just weird older guy. Yeah, so they go to this weird, uh, like, disco, uh, disco emporium. Mm -hmm. And, uh, the guy convinces Sam to buy this, like, jumpsuit thing, and he gets teased about it relentlessly, and uh, the, the, um, the guidance counselor has to, like, give him a ride home, I think, because he's being, like, harassed and thrown in garbage cans and stuff. Um, so, that's just a bummer for him. Uh, episode... <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it doesn't it doesn't really, like, resolve in any meaningful way or teach him anything. He just is bummed about it, and the girl... It does, the... though! What do you mean? We'll talk about this later, okay. but go ahead. Continue. Sorry. <laughs> uh, episode 12 is called The Garage Door. Uh, I was pretty drunk when I watched this episode. I'm not gonna lie to you. Finally, uh, yeah, y'all been talking about getting drunk and high for these episodes for like months. 
<laughs> I had a rough day at work. I came home. I had a, a, oh, an entire pint of beer without any food in my stomach, and there then I watched go. this show. So, um, uh, we can all work together. Sam has a friend named Neil. Neil is the, <laughs> the Jewish one. And, <laughs> what? Sam has a friend named Neil. Neil well, is the Jewish one. <laughs> I just, I just. There's it's the Jewish one friend. and the tall one. I don't remember There's the, the other one's one name. The skinny tall one. It's Neil and Bill. Bill. This, this, this character's defining trait, the ongoing joke, is that he's Jewish. That's fair. Like, it, it is. It is the ongoing joke. Anyway, um, Sam, one of the two main characters, his friend Neil has a dad who they all kind of think is cool. Uh, he, like, you know... When they were doing the prank calls, he was like, ha prank calls, love prank calls, that's funny. And they were like, you're a cool dad, Mr. Neil's dad. And um, then when they like, they, they were like staying up to watch Saturday Night Live, I believe, he was like, yeah, that's fun, that's cool, stay up to watch Saturday Night Live, 13-year-olds, well done. And they're like, yeah, you're cool, Mr. Neil's dad. Uh, and then... Sam sees Mr. Neil's dad seemingly maybe cheating on his wife as he's like leaving the house one night, I believe. And uh, it becomes a whole thing in their friend group where like was was Mr. Neil's dad cheating? What happened? We have to figure it. We have to get to the bottom of the situation. Um, Mr. Neil's dad is a dentist and he has Sam. Uh, Sam is a patient of his, and while he's cleaning Sam's teeth, he gives him this weird shakedown, like, you didn't see anything, right? It was totally fine. Nothing weird happened. Um, I do not remember if he was cheating or not. Was he, in fact, cheating? I don't know. Yeah, there was a thing with the garage door open. He had a, yeah. a woman's garage door, which is, like, so of the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, what? like... Also, when he when Sam caught, I love that you call him Mister Neil's dad, <laughs> like Neil's dad. <laughs> but Mister Neil's dad, when he caught him, he was shopping at the mall with his mom, Sam, and and Mrs. Weir for their like first microwave, and she mm. was like, "I don't need that," and it was like. So, like, this is the first time microwaves are in department stores, and so of the time. So, same with the garage door opener and whatever Mr. Neil's dad drove. What was it? Like a Camaro or something or like that? Cars. With his with his cool dental license, like, uh, what do they call plate. that? Vanity plate. Yes. Yeah. Also, so the, the car that... Uh, Lindsay crashed was a station wagon, which was just fun. Yeah. And like an OG Wood boxy wagon. Yeah. paneling. Yep, yep. Uh the 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 other the other plot going on this episode is that um uh Seth Rogan's character, whose name I will not learn, uh Seth Rogan <laughs> has a has a crush on this girl in the in the band, and they like Lindsay. Tuba is, girl. Tuba girl. Yeah, she plays the tuba. Um, Lindsay is inexplicably just friends with them again in this episode. Like, they kind of mention the whole car in trouble, grounded, mathlete thing, but 
only just barely. It feels any. It, they're just back to the status quo now. Um. So, uh, Lindsay tries to like help corral this girl into going to this like laser light show with them. This is something that I have no vines into. I don't know what it like. It seems to be a movie theater, but it just has like lights on the ceiling that they're watching while they listen to music. I, it's got to be an 80s thing. Got to be an 80s thing. Yeah. Anyway, I so they, actually have been to these. I'm sorry to interject here. Summary, no, well, but a we laser will, light will. show is not that crazy. But continue. We'll okay. talk about it. Um. Yeah, so the, there's, it's like, it's this uh, thing, like, it looks like they're in a planetarium or something, except it's just mm-hmm. projecting some weird shapes on the ceiling while they're listening to music. It's, um, seems like extremely something that would only be fun if you're on drugs. Um, but so Lindsay helps them, like, convince this girl to go to this, uh, like, laser show with, uh, Seth Rogen, and, um... It seems to be going real bad at first, but then it goes okay in the end. But then uh, it turns out that they thought it was, I think, Pink Floyd night at the laser show Orama, and it's like country night. Devil went down to Georgia night. They played Devil went down to Georgia, which is a good song. And that I song slaps. I don't know why they were complaining, honestly. But um, what was yeah. Sam up to? He was he was, was worried the, about the, the cheating. Oh, thing. that was he the was, summer, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the show. That's the show. That's the show. That's all three episodes. That's it. Um, that's three episodes, and you know I gotta ask it. Hey, Andy. I hate that I'm first. Yes, Ronnie. These three episodes of Freaks and Geeks, do they work for you? Uh, parts of them did. Parts of them didn't. That's not the question that I yeah, asked. Yeah, so I'm trying to decide. Sure, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with my gut. Just shoot from the hip. Just not mm-hmm. think about it too much, and just really decisively. Yeah. Say my answer. Which which is gonna be? Sure. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's and, an affirmative. Freaks so and geeks. Something. Freaks and geeks. <laughs> Won me over. It took nine episodes, uh, and then three more after that. But it uh, won me over. <laughs> That's how uh, counting works. Yeah. Let's go to CC. Oh, it one hundred percent. I'm just, a, I'm just a little scared that CC's going to beat me up in a Dunkin' Donuts parking lot if I say yeah. anything bad about I this mean, show. No, so. no. no, I totally respect your opinion. If you have. Some like backup, like you need some information behind it. Like, tell me why. If you give me some like, backup, like two guns, here's what I <laughs> form it, form it in a five paragraph essay. I want an introduction with a thesis statement, and then I want three reasons why it didn't work for you, and then a conclusion, and you're fine. Hey, hey, Evan, <laughs> yeah, Ronnie. These three episodes of uh, Freaks and Geeks did they work for you? No, not really. <laughs> it was also it was a mixed bag for me. There were elements I did like, uh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. but overall, I was not uh, I was not engaged the way I had hoped to be. I mm-hmm. I expected mm-hmm. more. If Evan had to get drunk for the last episode of this yeah. three episode yeah. series, no, then that's... that's an indication of womp. 
Hey, Ronnie. Hey, Ronnie. Hey, yeah. Hey, yeah. Did these three episodes work for you? Uh, gosh, I'm feeling real Andy this episode. Um, I think... I'm going to say yeah, but only just barely. Only just barely. Um, I I will say, well, let's, let's, let's just hop all right on in. Uh, I'll lead us off into what, what worked for us. Um, the things that worked worked more than they had in all of the episodes we watched so far. Were there as many things that worked as I would have liked? Not, not as much as I would have liked, but that's a different segment. Um, for the, uh, yeah, it just, that there, there are elements of, you know, deepening of characters, uh, further development of, of the plot and of the way that the characters are interacting with that plot that, it was it was helping tie it together, but I still think there's a lot of loose ends. A lot of loose ends I, here. I, I agree with you, Ronnie. The things that worked for me really worked for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really there were bits that I really enjoyed, and I wish that they had really had more of an impact on the overall story. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I love that this uh, gym teacher keeps subverting expectations. Gym teacher's I, great. I yes. love the gym teacher. Gym teacher's a genuinely good guy, and you never Coach see Biff that. Coach is always very good. And not, like, good in the way that we have characters sometimes, where they're, like, golden, like, unimpeachable. He's a, he's a dick. But, like, yeah. when you, like, reason with him, he's a solid dude. He's a sensible come- man, and I, he genuinely seems to care about these kids, including the mm-hmm. ones that are nothing like him. Like, clearly he was a jock in high school. Clearly he peaked. Clearly, he's you know, <laughs> kind of, kind kind of living out his high school dream by being a, a a gym teacher. But when these geeks come to him with a problem, he's receptive to that problem, and he genuinely tries to help them. Uh, the moment where, uh, he says, "I don't pick the teams. Like, what do you want from me?" And is it Bill? Is his name Bill? Yep. Bill is like, I want you to change what happens. And he's like, but I'm not like, I'm not in charge of it. Like, I like, I can't do that. And he goes, yes, you can. You have all the power. And the look on the gym teacher's face on Coach Biff's face (laughs) when he like realizes that this kid's right and I'm wrong. And he goes, well, okay, what should I do? And the kid says, Bill says, let the geeks pick the teams for once. And Coach Biff, like, like nods his head and then it cuts to the next day in gym class. And it's just like such a fucking good, pure moment. And like Evan said, you don't ever see that from uh, gym teachers. They're always caricatures. Yeah, Gym teachers are always drill sergeants. They're always made out to be like a joke. Of a of a thing, and two to cast fucking Biff, to cast <laughs> right. motherfucking Biff from Back to the Future, total subversion of expectations with this character. He's the best character on the show. I mm-hmm. I also like that the uh, the guidance counselor seems to be a genuinely good dude, kind of dorky, um, kind of ineffectual sometimes maybe, but also truly <coughs> really a good guy. 
Trying his best. Trying his best. Um, I liked that, uh, so I, I really, I, I liked episode 11, thought the setup was good, but was following it, like, like, everything, uh, everything made sense within the internal logic of this episode, um, I liked that we got to see Lindsay in, like, a very different element and, like, see the person she was before she decided that she was gonna, like, become a, a burnout now. She was going to make new friends and be a whole new person and reinvent herself. Um, because we got to like see this whole passion she had for math and she was really good at it. And she's like really competitive about it. I also love that like the burnouts turned out to support her in the end, even though like in the beginning of the episode, they were like not willing to take responsibility for this whole situation. They realized that, like, oh, she was right. Actually, that was our fault, and we do kind of suck, and we need to, like, be better people. Um, so, loved that. Loved loved their, like, changed attitudes there at the end. Um, hated, and I know I'm jumping in this early, hated that that had no consequence after that. <laughs> hated that from episode 11 to 12, um, yeah. just, like, that, that thing that happened, everybody forgot about it. Something Agreed. that I... Something that I really liked about these episodes were uh, that the dichotomy of, like, geek is good and, like, victim and, like, jock is bad and bully, like, really gets flipped. And we, we've talked about this before, but, like, the mathlete girls are savage to another yeah. girl on the team. Yeah. Which is Shelly? Shelly was a bitch. Just fucking brutal. <laughs> Straight up. Um, I loved that. I loved that uh, marching band girl, like, fucking destroys Seth Rogen. I mean, like, she says some insults that, like, you know, it's not great to, like, shame people for their body or what have you. But, uh, you know, they're high school students. It's a TV show. So we can, we can uh, like, just love that for her. Uh, what a queen. Um, but, but I think, just to add on to that, I think that, like, she saw where he was coming from, which is a sarcastic asshole. Yeah. And she played it right back. And then I think the minute that he started being nice to her, she was like, nah, this isn't as fun anymore. Like, do you want a drink? Do you want popcorn? Do you want this? Do you want that? She's like, no. Do you want a hot dog? Because I'll go get a hot dog. Like, I love that turning, like, flipping the script. Like, she, turning that on I'm its head kind of I'm, thing. I'm assuming she's a one-episode character, which is a shame because she was a great addition for this episode. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Squints. It turns out that Squints, who's been, like, the main bully of Sam Weir, everyone fucking hates him and that he, like, everyone thinks he's a dick and a jerk. Uh, like, all of the, like, athletic, like, jockey kids think he, he's a fucking loser, too. And I like that, like, Squints isn't one of the popular kids. Because um, it turns out, like, at least in my high school, if you were, like, fucking aggro like that, no one would want to be your friend. Like, even the cool, like, athletic kids wouldn't want to hang out with you if you were uh, fucking uh, a, a dick like that. So I just thought that was great writing. Very much so agree. There are... There's a very good variety of of the adults on this show. Which I feel like we're getting like 
a lot of adults and sometimes with having to focus so much on Sam's story and so much on Lindsay's story, like we're like, we're good. We do not need this subplot of like more parent shit, but they are at least making those characters like fully realized, like three dimensional. Like when we get in um, the situation with the diaries, like, like you said, uh, Lindsay's mom fully takes it to heart and like tries to like change the way that she does things. And, you know, while it takes the dad a real long time to come around, like there is some growth there. Like these are, these are not just like, um, they have sex. That's (laughs) that's not gross. That's my big negative. Yeah. That's, that's that's one of my big negatives too. And then we'll get to that in a minute. Okay. Um, So yeah, I, I, I do agree. The dad is a stretch. The dad is, is kind of, is kind of rough in that way. Um, but the, for the most part, the rest of the adults, the, the teachers, even, even the math teacher to some degree, like he, he, you know, is, is, as a human being, um, we're not getting just like Charlie Brown, want, want, want adults. We're getting like real, real adults to the degree that sometimes I feel like the adults feel more fully realized than like, the the burn at least the burnouts the geeks feel like they're just doing their own thing but full, certainly full, more fully realized than than James Franco can be and 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 Seth Rogen for the most part they really intentionally made uh Neil's dad Mr. Neil's dad uh like a grown up version of Neil like you see that Neil is trying to be his dad yeah, that's cool. um which was uh i thought just again good writing good characterization uh, like the Star Trek impression that Neil does is one hundred percent like we see his dad do the same impressions and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. CC, this is your time to shine. Tell us all the things that you liked about these episodes. Um. So as a guest, I'm only coming in, and I've watched this whole series uh a long time ago, and I have a. I'll give a little precursor. Um, I have a lot of ties to this because I watched it in college right before I graduated my parents were getting divorced but both of the weir siblings strangely remind me of each of my parents for growing up in that time period and my dad's a little younger than my mom so I see a lot of them and the siblings without being incestual if that makes sense (laughs) yeah no we get that this is a a metaphor yeah they're not literally siblings yes yes yeah so i see a lot of like my mom and Lindsay, but more so me and Lindsay. so i think with like one her whole relatability too like i have a degree in journalism so that's my like big thing is relatability that's how you get audiences so i see a lot of like Lindsay things like car accidents myself I crashed my dad's car when I was in high school and totaled it. And he was like, oh, they're going to rake me over the coals. And that whole relationship thing is interesting. But um, I I should say, number one, Anne Dowd from uh, Handmaid's Tale, The Leftovers, countless other, you know, current pieces of media plays Kim's mom. And that to me was the trippiest thing rewatching it. I was like, oh my God, that is like the freaking Handmaid's Tale whipcracker playing 
like a, a drunken mess on this show. So that was incredible for me. Um, that's a highlight. I'm very much for like the cast is phenomenal for me. Like I, I love that they're all like so fresh and green. Um, but as far as these episodes specifically, I guess, uh, I just love how Lindsay gets that relationship back with Millie, nerdy Millie. And it's like a security blanket. Like, you know that at the end of the day, she's... The, I've always heard the whole um, reacher versus settler thing in, like, dating. And I've always expanded it to relationships, so, like, friendships. So I see Lindsay as very much a reacher. She's reaching. She's trying to be hanging out with these cool kids and having a different, I don't know, perception of herself projected onto the school. And Millie is that like safe spot that she wouldn't put out there necessarily, but Millie's a good ass friend. So of course she's like, oh, well, I'm grounded. Let me join mathletes and be friends with Millie again, because that's the best thing I can do right now. So I was really fond of that. Um, I did like how Millie, like, I, I was very ready for it to be kind of like in either extremes of like, you either get the burnouts who don't care about you, but they're like, you know, cool and do edgy stuff. Or you get Millie, who doesn't really care about you. Like, Millie up to this point has been like, I don't care about you. I just care about your soul or right. your virginity <laughs> or something like that. I was very like, the fact that Lindsay or that um, uh, Millie came in and was like genuinely invested and like, concerned about Lindsay yeah. and wanted to be there for her was like, okay, this is a better characterization than we've gotten so far. And there, as the, as you'll talk about in future episode episodes, their um, relationship dynamic changes so much. So it's just interesting to see this little blip of them because it goes. And then again, like she has the random marching band friend. And like, when I see that, I think of like, middle school me playing clarinet in the band and then me going to be some sort of jock and my friends going to join, you know, I, I just feel like it's such a relatable thing, even though it's so, we're so detached from that, that standard cool people, whatever, nerds, freaks, geeks, whatever. Um, Again, also love the references of like buying the first microwave and, uh, but the the whole uh, uh, Sam or not Sam um, Neil Neil's dad thing it's was Mr. Neil's dad. Mr. Neil's dad. He didn't go to Janus College. We called Neil's dad. <laughs> he's Mr. Neil's dad. Actually, he's Doctor Mr. Neil's dad. <laughs> uh, but that that was that was um, that was tough to watch, like them being that age and the his you know Neil's friends are like riding around like, are we done yet? It's been three hours. And Neil's like, we just started. And I understand that like fever to like pursue something that you don't want to know is true, but you just need to know the truth. I'm a very emotional individual. So all these feeling based things really get me like I'm a sucker, maybe. (laughs) But those are my positives, I would say. It really does like the we get in that episode we get to um 
really full-fledged character developments of characters that I think we really wanted to. Sam has been, or um, Neil, we keep calling him Sam because it's Sam Levine, but um, Neil has been the jokester, but he's just kind of been like Fozzie Bear. Um, and this is like, you know, every every time they go through something, the stakes are very low for the geeks. And it's just them having a, a good time or like they want to play baseball. But this was like a turning point of like, oh, no, this is like a big deal. And this is not just them riding around the neighborhood because they're young and had nothing to do. This is like a goal in mind. And we get to see like, I, I you know, the block of wood that has been Seth Rogen actually like get pulled out of that and have some emotion and have some like show some desire for something and um, real conflict. Yeah. Yeah. And, and serious and, conflict. And and I think that, you know, it just helps to, to flesh out these groups where, you know, I, I, we have talked about Lindsay, very relatable. Absolutely. Like tip to toe is the most audience surrogate thing this show has, but Lindsay doesn't have like someone that she can, really talk to which makes it difficult for her to like be the audience surrogate when she's on an island the whole time so um except like for sam except for her little brother she really like i i i a little bit here when when when, um when he when sam is trying to talk to Lindsay about like mr neil's dad like cheating she like really keys in on his discomfort without even needing to ask him like what's wrong she's like like they're they're able to have that dialogue they're able to have that conversation in a way that neither of them can really really talk to the rest of their friends and i wish they would play more on that i guess that's like me like taking a tiptoe into like what didn't work i maybe they will i'm sure that that you know there's lots more show ahead of us um but i i I like that relationship and i think that's probably the like the best what we have for Lindsay right now which which makes me so sad for Lindsay. I feel so bad. But I think before you move on to that, I think Mm -hmm. that was one of my favorite scenes was that sibling bonding because I have gone through divorce with my brother and we were both away at the same college at the time. And I think like, you know, Sam being like, do you think dad would ever cheat on mom? And she's like, no, of course not. And then their dad walks in and he's (laughs) like, what are you talking about? And they're like, I feel like that was like the most like, wholesome sibling interaction that just like made me feel so encouraged about that family. Cause they're obviously all just like dealing with their shit. They're all insecure in some way, like from mom to dad to Lindsay to Sam, but that was very heartwarming, but for sure. For sure. I really liked that. Mr. Neil's dad didn't just show up in the episode where we find out he's cheating. Like, yeah. if I think back to Boy Meets World, uh, they were constantly, uh, like, bringing in characters, especially parents of characters, for one episode, and then you'd never see them again. Like, I think Topanga's dad got, like, recast, like, four times, and every time mm-hmm. they brought him in, he's, like, a completely different character, because they were just banking on the fact that you would not remember who he was. And uh, for Mr. Neil's dad, like, we met him you know, three or four episodes before this. So, like, we knew how much, like, the gang of boys really looked up to him. And, like, we knew that he was the cool, like, fun parent that, uh, you know, they went 
to hang out at Neil's house because his dad was chill. And that made finding out that he might be, uh, you know, a bit of a dirtbag, uh, really hit hard. And that was, uh, that was, that was good. I liked that. I liked that. Mm -hmm they took the time to build up the side character that they didn't have to. They also brought in Neil's mom and have, they had Neil's mom talk to Sam's mom, which is something that I've always kind of longed for more in that where it seems like Sam's mom is almost jealous of Neil's mom for I don't know, being fit or being young or having a doctor handsome husband or being able to play tennis on the surface level. Like there's that like that like mom, which I'm not a mother, but if it wasn't evident, but there's that like. Oh, the, she she does all these cool things and. You know, Lindsay's writing about me in, in her diary that I'm boring and I make the same thing for dinner every night. And she's out there playing tennis and complaining about being a chauffeur. And I don't know. I feel like that was something that I wish was another storyline in a way. Maybe that's because I'm older now and like could be a mom, mom age where I want to see that aspect of things. But. This is a superficial thing, but the episode with the gym teacher, the scene where the uh, Coach Biff is interrogating everyone, had me in stitches. It was very <laughs> funny. It was, was a very funny it, scene. That was the funniest scene this show has had. I probably laughed the hardest at that that I have <laughs> uh, at at anything from Freaks and Geeks so far. And like, each of the kid actors like fucking went for it mm -hmm. and coach mm -hmm. Biff was just a pro and it was really, really funny. <laughs> Neil's like, you smell like a stinky turd. <laughs> his delivery <laughs> was phenomenal. Yeah. His so Shatner good. was, was great. It's like uh, Neil to, to like take out what's happening here of just like Neil being a kid from 1980, played by Sam Levine, who is a kid in 1999, like having to go back and like do all these references that he really does not have any frame of reference. I mean, maybe he did, but like shouldn't have any frame of reference for and just really nailing it is like, that's a whole different level. The movies were coming like, out then. I know. That doesn't mean like this child had seen them though. Right, well, right. well, sure, but but like you, you know, like I'm talking Sh about like Shatner's like, Shatner's Star Shat Trek wasn't completely gone from the. I know. I, I'm I'm just saying, like he he like he was very much playing a, a like pop culture obsessed kid. Yeah. With a, and and he was with a pop culture that would for the most part no longer existed. Oh uh, like, wait, no, because this is the 2000s that this show aired. 1999, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, you're right then, Ronnie. You're right. You're right. I'm wrong. Yeah. 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 It's great. Um, Fuck me. I'm yeah, sorry. I just, I didn't think you did a good job. <laughs> yeah. Like playing off of, I mean, yeah, you just did good. Can I complain now? 
Yeah, let's complain, Evan. Evan is our uh, season. Let me introduce Evan. Evan uh, hates everything. I, I hate um, everything that we watch. I'm into it. I have one big complaint, but I think, Evan, it's your same big complaint. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, in the episode where the parents read Lindsay's diary, uh, like I kind of mentioned in my summary, the mom really, like, takes it personally that Lindsay is like, these, my parents are squares, and their lives are meaningless, and they do the same thing every day, and, like, they're, they're robots, and, uh, they're not even really people, basically. Uh, the mom, like, feels really terrible about that. Also, the, the diary points out that, like, the, the dad is a misogynist. Like, he just <laughs> will not do housework, will not clear the table after dinner, will not do dishes, like, absolutely will not. And, uh, so, Lindsay's mom then, try, like, starts trying to, like, do some stuff that's just fun and different, like, she cooks some different interesting food for dinner. She, like, experiments with new recipes. And uh, the dad is a huge dick about it. And she asks him to, like, help her around the house. And he's a huge dick about it. Like, he makes fun of her food, and then he refuses to eat it, and then he refuses to clean up. It's, like, he's just an incredible douchebag. And she confronts him later and says, like, hey, I feel like you don't value or care about me. And he says, that's dumb. Yes, I do. And then that's the end of the conversation and they that's make up. Fair. Yeah. I hated it so much. I was like that, like you just spent two episodes. Well, two, it was an episode of the show. It was, you spent an entire episode of the show being like an unbelievable doucher to your wife. And she tried to have a conversation with you about how like, shitty she was feeling because of the way you treated her and you just said um no i love you and i don't treat you like shit actually and she was like do you mean it and then they like had wild and crazy sex as though that was a resolution to that well you have to clarify what exactly was said because this is the worst part of it all (laughs) she's like you know i work so hard blah 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 and he's totally gaslighting her he's like mm-hmm. you don't you don't think i care about you mm-hmm. it's like when i'm selling skis to joe ski or mountain guy i'm thinking of you when i'm wrapping somebody's fishing line around their fishing pole i'm thinking about you and i'm like dude you work in a fucking sports store you have the cushiest easiest fucking job this woman's doing your fucking laundry Folding your underwear, picking up your kids, running them to and also, from. And she asked you to pick up the plate from the Cornish hen. The Cornish <laughs> hen with the fake sauce that you would not eat. Are you kidding me? Uh, also, even if that were true, like, even if he truly spends true. all his time at work thinking about her, uh, like, that's not what she needs for emotional fulfillment out of this relationship, obviously. Also, like, he's the boss. Thank you. He owns that store. Yeah, he's the owner of the store. <laughs> right, you uh, could easily like, put an employee on talking yeah. about the skis. I have worked bad jobs and, like, been thinking about Evan while at those jobs. Of, like, I just gotta get through this day. I'm here because I need a job to, like, help pay the bills uh, for my family and it's, you know, there is motivation there for sure. But like that 
does not deflect from the fact that he's being a really bad partner and a really bad uh, father, like publicly in front of the children, like treating your wife like shit makes you a bad dad as well as a bad husband. And uh, you could see that like Sam was being influenced by that and was like tagging along and like, that's fucking gross. That's so gross that like, as a father and husband, you would like gang up on your wife with your son. Like it, it's just an uncomfortable scene. And the resolution made it like it validated his side of the story. It was bad. It was gross writing. Yeah. And then it's- the other the other big complaint I had was uh, what I mentioned earlier about how like they had this interesting status quo change with. um uh uh, Lindsay returning to the mathletes and having this big falling out with the burnouts and then that just dissolved between episodes. Yeah. That was a really interesting storyline that could have like gone a lot of places and taught us a lot more about these characters and they were just like, nah, we're bored with this now. Everything's fine. Go back to normal. They kind of faux wrap it up in the same episode where like Lindsay's at the sleepover and she just decides that she can't be a mathlete but she doesn't really give a reason why she can't be a mathlete other than yeah. just like, I guess she was uncomfortable with like the shit with Shelly and trying to take someone's spot, which like. They never she, spell that out though. Exactly. It's just like that. That's like the thing that like, she's kind of like wistfully looking off in the corner about when they're talking about it. And like, she just like shows up at like the, the burger joint and like each of these characters some of these characters have experienced their own bits of growth, like on their own, because Lindsay has like kind of called them out for just like not giving a shit about anything. Um, but they haven't like made amends with Lindsay or even let Lindsay in on the fact that like, yeah, I'm trying to do better here. I'm trying to like, it's, it's just like, it's very much like, like we've talked about it's, it, there are mentions to the past but this is not a serialized show. This is not like something that happens in one episode greatly influences the plot moving forward. And that's kind of, I know that's like of the era, but it's also still also just kind of a bummer. I genuinely thought that the resolution was going to be that they had done something to raise money to help pay for the car. I thought they were going to, I thought they were going to either like sell some of their band instruments Or, like, you know, take a collection at the show that they were going to go play. Like, I thought they were going to do something to show, like, hey, like, we are going to own the fact that we, like, truly fucked up and made things worse. Because for me, it wasn't that they necessarily distracted the driver. It's that they, like, kept insulting the poor woman whose car Lindsay hit and, like, making it so much worse. And then they were really unapologetic about it to yeah, Lindsay. Right. Like, it's one thing to screw up, but then a totally other thing to just be like, well, fuck you, actually, though. <laughs> like, yeah. So, yeah. I just feel so bad for Lindsay because, like, she, like, the mathletes were honestly way cooler. Like, a- as I look at the mathletes from, like, my modern day perspective, I'm like, why are you not spending time with like you're you are like controlling the conversation? You are absolute top dog here, which I understand is not like her only interest, but like 
they're also cool. And they're also like laughing at your jokes. And they're also like encouraging and investing in you. And like, I want that. But also like, I just, I just want Lindsay to have friends that she wants to have that are like invested in her and also respect her and her boundaries. And that's like, it's just the math league kids because they weren't like, don't quit the math leagues or else you suck a bunch. Like it's, it's, they want me to like root for Lindsay being a friend of the burnouts because the show is called freaks and geeks, not mathletes and geeks. And I don't, I don't, I don't root for them. But I think from, from a, a writer's perspective, again, I'm going to go back to the reacher settler thing. If Lindsay's top dog, you have nowhere to go. I can totally mm-hmm. empathize with that situation. Like, you don't want to be the cool one with the minions following you around. You want to be part of a group, not the top of the group where you're the number one seat in the math league competition or whatever. So I feel like that was done well in a way. Like she's leaving behind a chapter. She delved, she dipped her toes back in. Wasn't for her because they're all shit talking somebody who's actually a good person. I also saw a lot of growth with the freaks and the whole thing with with Kim. You know, like, why don't you guys want to, like, be better? Like, let's go see a foreign film. Like, I loved that. So I see there's, like, a little compromise. I wish in my idyllic, like, you know, movie theater style mind that it would have all come out. But that's not real life. Like, I like how it panned out in that way, I guess. What I want is for Lindsay to go back and like give them a piece of their exactly, mind. Like, like, like I want more for her. I want her to want more for herself. Yeah. If she's like, you know what, this is a crew that I was, I was close with, but this is just not what I'm looking for. You are like the group that I'm looking for, but I'm not going to just waltz back in and like take your shit. Like I'm not going to come back in as your lackey. Right. Kind of feels like and then we get the next episode where like we double back on oh uh uh, uh jason siegel is is still in love with her and it's like that feels like a little bit of treading water of like what we, we did this we already like we already were here which if we could give a nice segue into what i hate that is number yeah. one <laughs> i fucking yeah. hated that i hated that come on I like that they didn't, like, devote the episode to it, but it was the underpinning of the mm-hmm. entire episode. Yep. Um, and I'm sure it's going to, like, that. that is, if, if there is one thing to say for the show, it's that it is not serialized, except for the things that you don't want to have to keep coming back yep. to time after time after time, which is Lindsay and uh, Ken? No. Nick. Nick. Um, Nick is the worst. Nick's not great. Nick's not great. And he's, as he's someone, such a fucking creep in that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As as someone who should be experiencing the most growth, he could be the person for our our audience surrogate who like we can really like. Wow, I didn't. I, I don't have the same perspective of you, but I totally understand where you're coming from. It's just a whiff. It's just a whiff that, every time. That uh that point where he realized that uh Lindsay was uncomfortable being in a relationship with him and broke up with her to save her feelings could have been a real growth moment for him but 
They just used that as a convenient thing to like end that relationship so they could go back to the status quo in the next episode. And it's a real shame because it seems like it, it was it was an out of character decision in that moment per the, all the rest of his behavior for and before and after when it yeah. could have been a really like interesting a pivotal moment for him in his decision making and how he interacts with women. So, but part of me thinks that it's done to give, and I mean, this develops further as the season goes on, but without getting into that, part of me thinks it's to give like Lindsay a leg of her own to stand on to not make this all a relationship. I think that's one of my favorite things, not to go back on what we hate versus what we love. Like, but I think that's one of the, the best parts about this show is that it's while you have the the James Franco and uh Kim, whatever her actress name is, um Busy Phillips uh relationship, and you know, you have other varying relationships throughout the the whole series, like your main characters are pretty much, for the most part, single the whole time. And I, I like that. They're not dependent upon the the conflict of another, a significant other, I should say. Like, there's conflict between uh, Lindsay and Kim and then, you know, Sam and his two buddies. and But it's not all, like, romantic. Yeah, I... I- I still feel like without, I mean, without Lindsay, the show falls apart entirely, but without Lindsay, like in this fictional high school, like what is Nick's deal other than just like I I drum and I, and I, I, my dad wants me to join the army. And then without Nick, what is Ken? Ken is is just literally like the barnacle that is hanging on to Nick as he, as they both kind of just orbit James Franco. Um, also, Seth Rogen is here. Also, you know? Seth Rogen. Yeah, just, yeah. just Seth Rogen's just here. Yeah, I thought Ken was Seth Rogen for a second. That's how bad I am with names. <laughs> Who knows? Who no, knows? Ken matter. is Seth Rogen. I was just saying, like, oh, yeah. as, oh, oh. as a, I was um, <laughs> illustrating his uselessness. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. I did well, like him I'm in these a, episodes, but yes. not a big fan outside of, of this, honestly. But it is what it is. Um. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 yeah, there, there's, there is, uh, a lot more to want out of these relationships, but it's also like, I don't, I don't feel like the characters always want more out of their relationship, where that is where, like, well, then why am I invested in these relationships? And that's where it kind of is like, is it working? Don't know if it is, because, it, I, I just, I, I don't, you know, from episode to episode of like, you made me crash my car. I'm going to literally change everything about myself to fit back in with my athlete friends for one day. And then after that, uh, you're going to be on thin ice, miss. Like, I, I, I just need more from these characters, like, facing the consequences that they are, like, setting up. I hate to be, I'm not trying to be argumentative, no, be but argumentative. I'm just putting the other side out there. I feel like that's the fickleness of high school, though. Like, yeah. the ripping of the hoodie and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, like, those kinds of things where you're like, well, next, you know, I'm sure we hung out after that and it was like, whatever. 
It is what it is because yeah. that happened eight months ago, which is like eight years ago in my reality. I don't know. Yeah, the, it's something we've talked about before, just like the authenticity of like what it is like to be in high school. And like on on the one hand, it's like, yeah, it's real. And on the other hand, like I look at Jason Siegel being a creep and it's like, I was a high school boy. I was a creep. <laughs> like, like there's not not I don't think I would be summed up as a creep, but I was like a lot of me and my friends did shitty things that we should not have done and should have faced real consequences for. And like, that's authentic. I, it, there's a difference between authenticity and like something I want to watch and yeah. spend time in. And this show, I, for, for what it's worth, that is like a thing that I don't think a lot of shows try and thread. They have, you have your bad guys, you have your good guys, whether it's a high school or anything else. And it's very black and white as to who you root for. There is a little bit more, gray area here which is like we always talk about we want shows to get weird we want things to to be challenging for us um it's just you know like i said it's not not working it's not a bad show it seems like it's falling flat it's in your just it's, it's just it's it's you know they're making decisions that are either they're falling on either side of that line which is their job they got they got to make the shots they got to make the calls um but we have for me it's just we have also remarked in the past, uh, CC, that a lot of the sort of tropes that we are now bored with were not boring in 1999 when this show came out. So that's certainly working against it for us. You know, there's a lot of things we, we know that this was like seminal in the teen drama genre, mm-hmm. teen genre, teen drama television show genre. So. Some of the things that we're kind of over as television viewers in the year of our Lord, 2021, um, we would have found very novel when this is coming out, but respect kind, and kind, kind of don't I, yeah, anymore. I also wanted to say that the point um, both of you made was basically like dealing with the weird parents um sam and Lindsay's parents they're you know they've got this weird misogynistic thing and either of you made the comment that is poor writing and to counteract that i think was it writing or was it trying to be accurate to the time where that thing would just kind of be passed over because I don't know. I look at my parents and my grandparents and that kind of thing's always justified. So is that bad writing or is that really, really good writing? I think if it was written that we weren't supposed to like also as the viewer walk away from it was the mom coming out and kind of like smiling and like kind of like making jokey jokes about fucking where like if we had like left the conversation and you know mrs weir is choosing to stay with a husband that she knows is shitty for the sake of her own well-being and her family's or like to keep the family together the show would have maybe shown us like her putting on the brave face but let us know that she's not actually happy about right, it right right or okay. or yeah. like she's not convincing herself that she has to be happy about it which i think you know, maybe happens more often in those sort of situations than not. But yeah, and it, and it to was, your point, CC, they do have the opportunity to really capitalize that when Neil's mom comes in and she's living like this right. 
blissful, can do whatever she wants, husband adored, well, I guess husband doesn't adore her that much, life, but according to her, like, they really could have, like, hammered that home. It definitely fell short there. Yeah, I see what you mean. I think what it it. comes down to is just, uh, Mr. Weir, Sam and Lizzie's dad got that good dick. That's, that's (laughs) the... I guess. It's just this... It's it's that is the resolution right <laughs> that there. That good sixty year old dick. No, that man does he not look. When young. they're trying to play pit the one night, they're trying to play the game, and he's like, "You can't play with just two people." She's like, "Do you want to have sex?" He's like, "Oh, okay. <laughs> this this is this is for you. I know. That's, that's me on game night. Uh, <laughs> you know, I I, I don't want to have sex. Burden. I'm here to play games. <laughs> Can we talk about the queer? Uh, yeah. This episode's running fucking long, and I'm it's sorry, fine. but. There's a scene where Sam gets cornered by bullies in his day suit and um, they call him queer many, many times. And uh, queer is a hotly debated uh, umbrella term in uh, online LGBTQ plus discourse. Uh, some people like it. Some people hate it. It seems that the people who dislike it are either a uh turfy and they don't like that queer kind of includes everyone in a shorthand way that they don't want to include or b they grew up in the 70s and 80s where queer was a slur and they remember it being a slur and they don't like it and they rather use the term gay the problem is if you grew up in the 90s and 2000s gay was basically a slur um so seeing it tossed around so like violently was a little disconcerting and uh to be honest I feel like the only reason they used that word is because they couldn't say faggot. Mm. Yeah, it was definitely queer was definitely still a slur in 1999. Sure. Like it was definitely that was definitely uh, very um mm, questionable of them putting that in there There's it, it, it a lot felt of- like they knew they couldn't say faggot so they said queer but how the characters were saying the word queer they might as well have just been saying faggot see i don't necessarily agree because there's that um not that i disagree i i i don't particularly remember the whole 70s suit sam scene where he gets called queer but i do remember when Lindsay is talking to Kim about how they're not allowed to hang out anymore. And she's like, well, what did your parents say about me? And Lindsay's like, oh, yeah, you know, they're just queer. And, like, it does pang a little bit with me. Like, it hits. Like, I'm like, ooh, that's not right. But again, of the times, and I feel like that's very much equivalent, in my mind, to that's gay. So for me, it's like, yeah, it's offensive, but she, she wouldn't have called her parents the F word. There's well, no way I, in hell. I feel like she used it there because she used it in like an old timey literature way. Like if you read, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 1930s, The Merry Adventures of Robin Hood by Robert Pyle. He uses the word queer talking about Robin Hood, and that's not because Robin Hood is sucking Will Scarlet's dick with the Merry Men. He definitely was. I mean, he was, but yeah, that's not why he uses the word queer. You know, he'll use it because Alan and Dale is a bard, and he dresses, you know, flamboyantly and, and, you know, strangely. 
So I think I thought that was just like characterization of saying Lindsay's smart and she's using an old timey word and maybe doesn't necessarily realize that like that's not what it means anymore. But the bullies were definitely using it in a very harsh and aggressive way, insinuating that Sam was gay because of, you know, he was dressed like Elton John. In in the scene immediately before this, there is they are like coughing homo under their breath too mm-hmm. in the yeah. classroom scene. So it's like it, it their their intent is clear. The writers, whether or not the writers are trying to like sneak in a a, a bad one. Um, well, Sam the... Sam is also coded as queer in my opinion. Like the whole stuff with the locker room, the whole stuff with like he has a crush on this girl, but really he only seems to have a crush on her because she is like cool and like likes the same interests. It's not at all about like necessarily who she is but it it very much read to me potentially as like oh like sam might be gay and he likes this girl because she's kind of a tomboy i don't know i didn't read it no but like i I, I didn't at first either but at this like this scene made me like look back especially the locker room scene like not wanting to change in the locker room uh because you are uncomfortable in your body and potentially your attraction to other dudes uh, everybody's just uncomfortable in locker rooms, though. I don't know yeah, anybody who was comfortable getting me. I'm not saying this was intentional, so but like this, I don't. This really aggressive bullying scene where they're throwing around slurs and they're. It, it's just it read as uncomfortable. One, two, whether or not Sam was intended to be like a gay coded character or not. I don't know if it makes it better or worse either direction because either one, this is like an actual queer character, like being assaulted and abused, which like is really dark for this show or two, it's no representation at all. And they're essentially like taking a like mild gay bashing storyline and shoving it in where like they don't have the right to. It's also like the way that they treat again with all of this. It's the way that they like treat the consequences of that situation. If they have coach Biff come in and like give these like bullies a piece of his mind of like, you know, that's, that's not okay. Like again, him coming in and saving the day, it's fine. But instead, Mr. Rosso comes in and who is, I think, uh, very effeminate, if not queer coded, um, and, you know, kind of gives him like the spiel of like, yeah, people have always given me a hard time for the way I dress and my long hair and stuff like, like Sam gets his like confidence boost and like, is able to say like, yeah, it doesn't matter what they say about me. The bullies don't get like what's coming to them. And so it's, 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 I'm on the, like the side of like, listen, I was, I was called gay through all of high school. Little did anybody know. Um, and like, so that's very authentic that that is the case. I don't like, there's, you know, that's what they would have called him. Um, and and anything else they would have called him would have been along those same lines, but it's the, like how that is treated, how that is handled in this, what is, you know, still a long ass time ago in 1999, but you know, needed, needed to be handled in a different way. If you're, that's my perspective of the entire series was that it was done in 1999 and it's based in the 80s which were super homophobic you know you think of the whole AIDS 
crisis. And I think that this is one of the straightest shows. We're looking at it through such a progressive lens. We live in 2021. We are very attentive to these kinds of concerns and we see it. It's more visible. It's more common. I honestly think that like homosexuality was the farthest thing from any of their minds during this season one. Would it have progressed further potentially? Uh, yeah, I would say, but I don't think that any of our main characters other than um, the, the bully squints, <laughs> he could he could have been portrayed as homosexual, but I don't think they would have made any of those characters personally. Just from from how I see, I don't know. Let's call Judd Apatow. Do you think he could give us some insight? The fact that it's Judd Apatow does make me like pull back a little bit. But like, God, this there's a lot on this dude's this uh oh this this guy's shoulders. Who is? I don't know if he's great or if he's not. Um, Controversial. Probably not super. I mean, the, come, the, the come whole, on the pod, Judd. Come on the pod, Judd Apatow. Um, yeah, it's just, I, yeah, the, the, that is certainly the, the you know, we are watching this through a, through a different lens. It's one of those things where it wasn't cool then. And like, do I trust anyone to know that or deal with that? I should. I don't know, but it's it's when you when you enter that into the equation of like we are going to do this thing and it's going to elicit a homophobic response. So then, so then what? Like it, it's a very, as you said, very straight, mm-hmm. also very white, and yes. like I, it's which we've talked about. Like it, you're entering this this chip into the into the pot. What are you going to do with it once it's there? How are we going to deal with that? Are we just going to hand wave it away? Because then don't, then let's take that shit back. Maybe we shouldn't. Um, and, and again, that is, that is some like modern day sensibilities. But from a writer's perspective, to just throw something out there that, that is foreign to what is happening and not deal with it. That's, that's just a fumble. That's just, just a, a missed opportunity to really say something with this thing that you're saying. Yeah. Those are all my negatives. <laughs> I think I think we're uh, I think we're unless unless he's, unless you want to rag on this show that that you hate so much. No, this I love terrible, it. Terrible show. I just wanted to I I jotted down some notes, but my favorite was uh, it's um, uh, Franco's character. He goes, Dan Daniel Daniel yes Daniel all have the, he's just dude, the, he's just James Franco it's, it's basic Franco. white names it's just all these terrible white this is Nick and this is Ken and this is uh b- b- other Ken I don't know <laughs> Daniel goes what are you my guidance counselor or something like those <laughs> those one liners just really hit me I'm like oh he is I love it he's really doing like a a Marlon Brando and Streetcar Named Desire, yeah. like very much like, yo, oh, this is how I talk when I'm from the same town as all of you guys. Yeah. Oh. Like it's it's he's really really chewing every piece of script they give him. Oh, I love him though, and I wish I didn't because I know he's such like a shitty yeah, person. Yeah, he's terrible. Ugh, but I still love the Franco brothers. But 
That's my flaw, so. What's uh what's 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 on y'all? Evan, you got anything more to bring to the table? Nope. No. Nope. Evan's ready for bed. I just is good good boys go to bed. Um I just love Linda Cardellini. I just love Linda Cardellini. I want the best for her. Uh forever and ever. Velma for life. Velma for life. Um Mrs. Hawkeye. Mrs. Hawkeye, I hate you so much. Um <laughs> Cece, as I mentioned, you are the host of Fucking Fine. I'll see you soon. Uh-huh. Uh, what, what's, what's, what's that show? Tell us about that show. Oh, well, we're on a little bit of a hiatus, but um, working on reformatting and coming back this summer, potentially in a whole different atmosphere with a... Basically, everything will change except for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but fucking fine. I'll see you soon. Uh, seasons one and two are on all of your streaming networks. It's about millennial anxiety. Um, we talk a lot about um, basically whatever freaks you out. Uh, anxiety is a big spectrum. So we talk about generalized anxiety. We talk about specific mental health disorders. But we also talk about just like sitting in traffic and being pissed the fuck off. Um, yeah, find it on Apple, Spotify, whatever, Google, just, just look it up. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you so, so much for joining us. Well, wait, let me plug my website. Jesus. Oh, sh- I don't know. I should have asked. I didn't want to ask and have, you have nothing. Yeah. What else? What else is there to plug? <laughs> so, so I'm Cece. You can find, uh, anything on cynicalcandor.com. I'm Cynical Candor on Twitter, Facebook, all the things, uh, at Casquita on Instagram. I do a lot of creative content. If you're looking for help with social media promotion or video work, editing mostly, photography, holla at your girl. Um, also, if you want to hang out and walk in the park, come around. <laughs> <laughs> we are all just looking for humans to interact with. At this point, life. Um, you are listening to Ending Pending. It is a part of the Where They May Radio podcast network. Be sure to check out Where They May Radio on Patreon, patreon.com slash WTM radio. It is made up of Ending Pending, Force Friends Rewatch, and Fan Fiction is Good Actually. All excellent shows. We are still in Where They May May. Uh, hop on over there. All of the content we put out is going to everybody. That will not be the case moving forward. There's going to be some some delineation there for different uh, uh, patron levels. But thank you so much to everyone who has uh, subscribed. Um, we got awesome stuff coming uh, for the end of the month. Videos. We got more newsletters coming out. Uh, check it out. Patreon.com slash WTM radio. Follow Ending Pending on Twitter at Pending Pod. Uh, and we're on TikTok. Uh, at where they may. Uh, some of you like it. Some people, I mean, you're probably not listening to, uh, the podcast. Oh, they must have died. That's okay. I'm going to keep going. Um, <laughs> you're probably not listening to the podcast yet because you haven't found that link, but, uh, find that link and then, and then hop over. We're on TikTok at where they may. Um, Usually I ask Andy how we end the episode, but Andy and Evan seem to have disappeared into the ether. So I'm going to ask Cece, how do we end these episodes? Um, well, I was going to say goodnight, Evan, but he's gone. So yeah. I'm just going to say, uh, 
Say good night, Ronnie. Good night, Ronnie. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs>